0: No, no. What happened? He hates bright lights. You know, there's some things I forgot to tell you guys, and they're really important. Number one, he hates bright lights. We know that. But you got to keep him out of the sunlight. Sunlight will kill him. Number two, keep him away from water. Don't give him any water to drink. And whatever you do, don't give him a bath. And probably the most important thing, don't ever
1: feed him after midnight.
2: Hello, and welcome to When We Were Young, the pop culture podcast that re your favorite holiday memories from childhood. I'm Becky, the podcast host most likely to be caught eating after midnight.
3: I'm Seth, the podcast host most likely to avoid bright lights.
1: And I'm Chris, your podcast host who you should never, under any circumstances, get wet.
2: <laughs> Damn, it's already happened. Don't do it. <laughs> Throws off all my afternoon when
3: plans.
1: When you know what happens. <laughs>
2: Happy Holidays, guys! It's our Christmas episode. I thought you were humming a a Christmas tune, but...
3: (laughs) That's a Christmas tune to me.
2: I guess so. So, for some reason, we are still having the debate whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not.
3: Mostly the fault of Bruce Willis, I would say. He's the one who's kept this controversy
1: alive.
2: (laughs) Perhaps we'll have the same debate for today's double feature, Gremlins and Gremlins 2 The New Batch.
1: We will. (laughs) Uh,
2: The first movie in the series is set during Christmas time, which may or may not be enough for Chris to call it a Christmas movie, so we'll see.
1: That's a lot of Chris's in one sentence.
3: It
2: sure is.
3: (laughs) It's our Christmas episode.
1: Christmas. As in Chris wishes he missed these movies.
2: (laughs) Before we get into these crazy movies, I wanted to ask you guys, since it's our Christmas episode, how did you feel about Christmas when you were young? And if your opinion changed, what happened to make it change?
3: Christmas was easily my favorite holiday growing up. I was lucky enough to have a lot of my extended family on both sides uh, living in New Orleans with me. And then I was also lucky to have some of my dad's family, including my grandmother and my aunt and uncle, living up in St. Louis. So for a lot of the Christmases of my youth, we would get to drive up or fly up to St. Louis. So, you know, New Orleans doesn't snow very much, but I got plenty of kind of white Christmas. Snowman building, uh, snowball fight enjoying experiences. Um, I loved the thrill of getting presents and of asking Santa for various presents. I ruined nearly every. Christmas surprise I had because I knew the hiding places where my parents would stow away gifts. Where were the hiding places? I'm curious. It was all closets. It was just all closets in the most obvious places.
2: I was gonna say, I have memories of Hanukkah, like, finding my Hanukkah gifts in closets. Like, did they think that they were doing a good job of hiding?
3: I feel like, I feel like there's a level of parenting where you recognize that your kid is gonna spoil the presents, so
1: you just don't expend that much effort hiding them. I was not a holiday spoiler. I was someone who would actively avoid closets in November, December. Did you do that? I had tremendous willpower. <laughs> yeah, I never had trouble avoiding closets as a
3: kid, but uh, <laughs> I totally loved Christmas. And I still enjoy it, although I celebrate it just in entirely different ways than I did growing up. And I always loved kind of watching Christmas movies around this time of the year and, you know, making hot cocoa with marshmallows and all that kind of, like, seasonal stuff that goes along with it.
1: Yeah, I like the traditional aspect of Christmas as well, is that it's just a time of year to, like do the same thing over and over again and just kind of check in on things. It's the end of the year. You can just, you know, reflect back on how you've changed over the last year. When I was a kid, like I think any other kid, was very excited about Christmas because it was a time when a magical man would come and give you toys. There's nothing that I didn't like about that. And it's actually probably in my entire life the only thing that has not changed since I was a child. (laughs) Uh, I still have gone home every single year uh, since I've never not gone home for Christmas. And, you know, I see my family, like we have the same sort of celebration that we've always had. It's changed a little bit with, you know, people getting married or divorced, but overall it's the same people. And it's really the only time of year that I will generally see my entire family. So it's very comforting to know that that's like always there every year for that to happen when I don't live there and otherwise, you know, would be coming in and out maybe at different times and people are out of town. But for that, it's just like everyone kind of makes a point to go for Christmas and be there and all be together. So,
3: yeah, it's great that you have that, and also just crazy, like mind blowing to me, because that is a statistical anomaly.
1: Yeah, i mean, It probably is weird. I mean, it, it feels a little bit like a time warp every time because it's yeah. just like almost <laughs> exclusively the same people. Like, and you know, kind and of the, even same, in, like, the same location
3: for that long is because, yeah. like, you know, like my my parents uh, divorced and like got rid of our house that we lived in, um, and basically all the other family I have down there like have moved to different places. So even if we were to get together, it wouldn't be, you know, in the exact same place and time. Like it's. Yeah. Kind of a rare thing to happen. yeah,
1: my parents have gotten divorced since I was a child and my sister has gotten married. So the like beginning of Christmas can be a little bit different. And, you know, we now spend like Christmas Eve with my dad, whereas before we were all together. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it's it's always like 11 o'clock, I think every single year we go to my grandma's house. And that has like been the same since I was born, as far as I remember. They moved into a new house when I was, like, six or seven. But other than that, like, it's been the same house. Like, I could set my watch by, like, exactly (laughs) how everything is going. It's like, now we always have, like, scratch tickets for the lotto. And we always have, you know, like, the same exact meal. And I know we're having sandwiches for dinner because we always have, like, a light dinner because we've had a giant breakfast. And it's just, like... It's 100% the same. And you
3: like that. And you know when grandma's going to drink the 40 of Miller High
1: Life. No, I'm drinking the 40 (laughs) of Miller High Life. That's
2: what's changed. Oh, that's what's
1: changed. Oh, the passage of time. I would not like that every single day of my life. That's why, you know, I like, like to live in Los Angeles and, you know, do unexpected things. But it's nice to have that as an option, you know, once a year to go back to. And I don't go back for Thanksgiving or other holidays often because I don't need that so many times a year but for that one it is nice
2: (laughs) (laughs) see that that sounds so nice and I grew I was raised Jewish so we didn't have any of that and so like it's I guess what we would do is we'd go see a movie me my mom and my sister and we would get Chinese food (laughs) because those are the restaurants that are open on Christmas Um, and that's kind of a stereotype of Jewish people on Christmas but that's really what we did um, maybe occasionally on, uh, Christmas Eve, I'd go over to like a Christian friend's house and like hang out with them on Christmas Eve. Tell me of your fun ways, my friend. <laughs> yeah, because, well. <laughs> I am a wandering vagabond. What I always wanted was, I really liked the Christmas lights and the tree, and we didn't have any of that, obviously. But I also just liked the idea of like getting together, playing board games, and like, you don't really do that for Hanukkah, and we didn't do it on Christmas. We would go to the movie, go to ch- see Chinese, go eat Chinese food, and then go our separate ways. <laughs> like I just go up to my room. My sister go to her room. My mom would be downstairs. Like it wasn't like we were like together, you know, yeah, doing a full day like, thing.
3: Friends of mine like would have like J- friends of mine who were jewish would have would have those kinds of things during hanukkah just maybe not necessarily the ones directly connected to like the practice of the religious ritual aspects of hanukkah but they would do those kind of like family gathering things yeah so, we
2: didn't
3: <laughs> yeah no but that's, that's that's what i'm getting at it's like I, I think it like all of our traditions and what we learn are or aren't traditions are the things that we that get passed along to us, that get taught to us by our parents.
2: Yeah, I think when you're little, though, Hanukkah doesn't seem as important because you don't get like the day off school and then you get the day off school for Christmas but then I felt like I never did anything with it yeah. you know it's like a whole a whole day but I was just like in my room and all most of my friends were
1: worshiping Jesus worship-
2: well, yeah <laughs> well and, and that I think that's totally true too because like I obviously I
3: am not Jewish but grew up with a lot of Jewish folks and we would get those days off As, like, Hanukkah would be a day off. But in school, we wouldn't actually ever be learning anything about, like, Jewish religious faith traditions or, like, what the practice of Hanukkah meant. And so, yeah, I totally can understand how you would feel, like, even if you got those days off or whatever, like... It doesn't necessarily feel like Hanukkah is celebrated in the same way that no, it's actual not. Christmas is.
2: Yeah, and I've said that like about pop culture, like the fact that I, the, the 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 mice in an American Tale were Jewish. It was nice to see because
1: she's still holding on to that <laughs> one episode five.
2: <laughs> you know, and then I never went home for Christmas because it was expensive, and why? Because we're not going to do anything with that day. So it was just kind of a lonely time until I met my husband, and he uh, his family was. Is Catholic and he was raised Catholic, and they celebrate Christmas. So the past eight years, I've celebrated Christmas, and it's great. <laughs> I have a tree now, and we have a menorah. Uh, we light the menorah, and then we uh, decorate the tree. And so I get the best of everything. Sounds like a
1: fire hazard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess my feelings on Christmas were negative, and then they turned positive now that I am allowed to enjoy the superficial... <laughs> fun things about Christmas.
1: (laughs) I would like to relate to your story for the first time, because I just had a Jewish Christmas Thanksgiving.
2: Okay. (laughs)
3: Oh, that all makes sense immediately. (laughs) No further explanation required. Jewish Christmas Thanksgiving. (laughs) Meaning
1: that my Thanksgiving was like a Jewish Christmas. Ah, yes. I spent Thanksgiving, I didn't have plans, and I was perfectly happy to not have plans and just go see a bunch of movies, because I wanted to catch up on the holiday movies. So I was spending it alone. And at some point I needed to eat... (laughs) And there was nothing open, or anything that was open had, like, this giant, like, $75, like, prefix Uh menu. And so I was, like, desperately searching for food, and, like, everyone else had plans. And I was like, why am I alone in the universe right now? And I had to, like, stop at this random Cuban restaurant that was, like, empty, because it was technically, like, supposed to be closing in a minute. And I was just like, please feed me. Now (laughs) you know how Joseph felt in the desert. So I, like, finally had that experience of, like having a holiday that everyone else is celebrating and you're just, you know, for your own reasons not celebrating, and, like, I was totally fine with that, but I was like, the world has ceased to function today. And you were
2: in Los Angeles. Can you imagine if you weren't, like, in a major city? Yeah.
1: I I would be on the side of the road starving to death as we speak, which might have been preferable to watching Grimmons.
2: (laughs) Good segue, Chris. Let's talk about Gremlins. Gremlins <laughs> was released on June 8th, 1984, the same day as Ghostbusters.
1: You mean it was not released in December as most holiday movies are? <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> that's weird. That's weird. I feel like that's the best time
3: to offer holiday movies because they're <laughs> the fewest number <laughs> competing against it. At what this movie? Why was this movie released in June? <laughs> so they could corner the market. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was because they didn't have a summer movie. This the studio, which oh
2: my god, really?
3: Warner it's Brothers. Warner Brothers. Yeah. So they didn't.
1: They were like looking for something to compete with Temple of Doom, uh, <laughs> even though. They were both. Steven Are you sure not Ghostbusters
2: though? Because it came out the same day.
1: Yeah, well, all of the summer movies, but like Temple of Doom specifically, okay. like they wanted their own like summer tent pole, so it was supposed to be released at Christmas and then was released in June. Interestingly, Ghostbusters, when this movie opened, was number one. Gremlins was number two, but they stayed number one and number two for six weeks in a row, which is crazy. Like
2: <laughs> I'm surprised wow. that they were both big hits because they're kind of similar. In a way, yeah. like the spooky comedy creature feature, yeah, creature feature. Yeah,
3: it's yeah. weird
2: that that they one of them didn't take the other's business away. So yeah, weird. Um, it's directed by Joe Dante. Um, he's directed a lot of Looney Tunes cartoons, as well as Space Jam and Looney Tunes Back in Action. Kind of makes sense. It All of that checks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was written by Chris Columbus, starring Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, and Key Luke as Mr. Wing. Gizmo was voiced by Howie Mandel. And the Gremlin sound effects were created by many people, including Michael Winslow, known as the man of 10,000 sound effects.
1: And they're all in this movie.
2: (laughs) He's the police academy guy, and he's in Spaceballs. He's in a bunch of things. Oh, yeah. He's all over. Uh, The budget was 11 million, and the box office was 153 million. So it was a big hit. Uh, The Rotten Tomato scores 84%. So it's generally been um, classified as a cult classic. Uh, People like it. At the time, Ebert gave it a, posi- a positive review, calling it fun. Leonard
0: Malton
1: <laughs> called it. <laughs> I often call movies fun, but that's usually a euphemism for I didn't like it, but I don't want to offend you, liked you because you like it.
2: Leonard Malton called the movie icky and gross and said the film was negated by too vivid violence and mayhem. Yeah. Now, that
3: actually sounds a lot like Leonard Malton. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. A little trivia about this movie is that because of this movie and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Spielberg suggested to the ratings board to create a new rating between PG and R, and P- the rating PG-13 was born. Grimfax. <laughs> Facts. Facts. So Chris Columbus wrote the original screenplay of Gremlins as a spec script. He just wanted to use it as a writing sample. He didn't think it would get made, but then Steven Spielberg took an interest in it, saying at the time, it's one of the most original things I've come across in many years.
1: I hate it when I just like write a spec script, and I'm like, I don't want to make this. But then Steven Spielberg is like, you have to. I'm like, oh, fine, Steven. We'll make my movie
2: we've all been
3: there we've all had to compromise like that
2: i know in the original script the gremlins invaded a mcdonald's and ate the customers (laughs) what how
3: was that not the version of the movie that got made (laughs) so it was
2: a little darker um gizmo was also supposed to transform into stripe the gremlin but spielberg said no because gizmo was too cute and audiences audiences would like him and he was right (laughs) thank you
3: stevie spiels thank you for your service
2: They used puppet and animatronics for the gremlins. An earlier attempt to use monkeys was abandoned because the test monkey panicked when made to wear a gremlin head. And I can't say that without bursting out laughing. I've killed Seth. I would
1: also panic.
2: I want to see that test footage so bad.
1: Um,
3: I can't wait to join the band Test Monkey Panic. (laughs)
2: So, uh, Gremlins was a huge hit. Um, There were gremlin dolls, action figures, video games, puppets, trading cards, novelizations, amusement park rides, and a breakfast cereal.
1: There was a cereal. Oh, my God. Can we play the commercial for the cereal?
2: Yeah. Bring it up.
1: Are you
0: hungry? Hungry as a gremlin? Here's gremlin cereal! Gremlins, gremlins, bite after bite! What a tasty way to satisfy a gremlin appetite! Gremlins is a deliciously sweet, crunchy cereal that satisfies the hungry little gremlin that's in all of us! Gremlins, gremlins, bite after bite! What a tasty way
2: to satisfy a gremlin appetite!
0: Gremlins cereal is part of this complete breakfast. Gremlin, yum yum!
2: So, did you guys watch Gremlins when you were little?
3: So, as you were regaling us with the list of fine consumer products available (laughs) as tie ins from Gremlins, I don't remember when I first saw them. Other than that, I saw them through, like, commercials for the toys, commercials for the cereal, commercials for the fast food tie-ins. I remember growing up with Gremlins. Growing up
1: Gremlins. Growing up (laughs) Grems.
3: I must have seen both of the movies, you know, relatively close to when they came out. I'm sure on video or on cable, but I just really remember all the commercial tie-ins for it. There was, like, a little aspect of it that kind of pitched it as a horror movie, but you could also, like, really, really tell that it was kind of with a wink and a nod and more set as, like, a comedy. So I kind of feel like there was an aspect of it that was deliberately pitched at kids who were kind of too young to maybe watch the movie. And I definitely, like, got pulled in by that like seeing those creatures and like seeing the de- the very gruesome fearsome design of the gremlin creatures you did kind of get the inclination that like, oh, like these things were going to like tear people up. They're going to like <laughs> tear children, children limb from limb, aren't they? So there was something just very intriguing about it, just like the same way when I first saw the Xenomorph.
2: <laughs> you encountered When I first <laughs>
3: encountered it.
1: Yeah. Similarly, I remember Gremlins very well as a pop culture icon that was kind of omnipresent, I feel like, throughout my entire childhood, because the first movie came out when I was a baby, and then the second one came out many years later. So it kept, you know, gremlins alive I guess throughout that, that whole period. So I knew what they were, I saw lots of gizmos, I saw lots of gremlins. I don't think I understood horror comedy as a concept. Like, to me, as a child, I think something was either scary or funny and it those two things weren't supposed to go together like I don't think I understood that you could do both of those things or that this that something could be kind of like as horrific as gremlins looks but also be kind of pitched at families so i kind of stayed away from it like i never really sought these movies out it was it kind of lived in the same vein as freddy krueger and the xenomorph when i was a kid is like i didn't see those movies when i was a kid either because they seemed too scary and i just kind of like lumped this in with those even though i think looking at them there's a distinct line between those being pitched like definitely adult at adults and this is sort of a more of an in-between movie. But I just, like, did not get it. And it just never appealed to me. So the first movie, I know I ran across on TV probably many times because I remember seeing the monologue that Phoebe Cates mm-hmm. delivers. <laughs> I feel like I've seen that monologue about, yeah, we'll talk about like, that 20 later. times. <laughs> even though I don't feel like I've seen this movie. And a couple of images. Like, I, I know I'd seen the gremlins in the bar before and the old lady flying off her chair... Hell yes! So I, I'd seen those moments before, but I'd never watched the movie all the way through. And Gremlins too. I had I knew the title, the new batch somehow, but I never saw a single second of this movie. I can, I can tell you that much. I might have seen. <laughs> you want to remember? I might have seen some of the merchandise. Like the female gremlin seems maybe a little bit familiar, but. In if you general, haven't seen her
3: in your nightmares, then you've seen a
1: commercial for the toy. I don't know. This franchise always seemed just kind of like silly to me. And it just, it didn't really feel like it was ever for me. Like even as young as I was when it was out, I just was never, I wasn't someone who was like, I want to watch that, you know, even if I was kind of scared by it, which I might have been. But I even, even then I was just like, eh, I'll pass. It just didn't appeal to you. Yeah.
2: Gremlins was definitely a VHS tape that was... In my house, because I when I think of watching the original Gremlins, I think of like lines on the TV, like the tape is kind of dirty. And the you preferred have to, way to watch it, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I can like I, I see it like that. Like you have to bang the TV a couple times. To Memo get the... <laughs> to Becky
3: in the past: you gotta adjust the tracking. Yes. on the VCR, it's the yes. tracking. Blow you gotta get it, it
2: straight. <laughs> So that's how I remember <laughs> Gremlins because obviously I was one years old when it came out. I didn't see it in the theater, but I must have seen it on VHS tape. Um, I did see the second one in the movie theater. I remember that
1: you were the one.
2: <laughs> yeah, it did bombed. you go by yourself? <laughs> um, so I rem- and I remember. I'm pretty sure we bought it on VHS, and I remember watching it a lot when I was little. So I liked this movie when I was little. Um, and I'm pretty sure we probably had a gizmo stuffed animal. I hadn't watched these movies in years until I think it was like a few months ago. Um, they were both streaming on Hulu. And I was like, eh, why not? And I was started watching Gremlins. And then I remember texting you guys being like, we have to do this. And then I watched the second one. And I was like, we're doing this movie.
1: <laughs> like, the rest of this podcast is answering that question, why not? <laughs> <laughs>
2: so let's start with the original gremlins what did you guys think seeing it as adults
3: holy shit this is a fucking insane movie (laughs) (laughs) like i i remembered because it's legendary how bonkers the second one is um so i think for whatever reason i kind of had minimized the insanity of the first movie but but no the first movie is completely batshit insane and, in general, I think, actually, the first one pretty successfully balances the horror and comedy. Um, it's obviously very, very, very deeply an 80s movie. Um, and I think that, basically, all these creature-feature-type horror movies are bound and constrained by the time period that they were made in. You know, just because it's basically creature effects at the end of the day. Um And there's so much about this movie that doesn't, that not only doesn't hold up, but probably didn't hold up in the first place.
1: Um, But was never held up. Yeah, it was never (laughs)
3: up. Um, But I really enjoyed watching the first one, uh, and I was entertained in the kind of like B movie Mm -hmm. way that I think it was going for.
1: I'm not ready to talk about this yet. <laughs> well,
2: I, I mean, I mostly agree with Seth. I thought that the second one is so bonkers that you forget that the first one is also bonkers, yes. just not quite as bonkers. Yes. I thought it was, like, entertain Like, I can see why this is a cult classic still today. Because there's so... M- it's pretty much all practical effects and, you know, puppetry. And as far as just the artwork of making these puppets, like, I feel like that holds up. Like, they have very... Uh, original fun designs for these oh, yeah. animals.
3: Extremely like, expressive. Too. Yeah, like,
2: I love, I love Gizmo. Like, I think he's so cute, and Spielberg was right! <laughs>
3: like, no, I, he was absolutely right, and like, literally, uh, the most abiding memory from having seen the movies growing up was, like, really wishing on a deep and abiding personal level that I could have had a pet Gizmo.
2: Yeah, you know why? Because it looks like a puppy mixed with a baby, so it can it talk looks back like to you. like a fucking
3: puppy baby. And it baby. can lift,
2: it can, like, I, I was watching it, and I have this newborn at home, and I was mostly watching it when she was asleep, but Gizmo at some point is like, pick me up! And I just, like, had flashes of my baby, like, lifting <laughs> her arms up, and I was like, I want to pick him up! And then he was being cradled like a baby, and I was just like, Just this for is
3: everyone in the podcast audience, <laughs> Becky's baby is extremely furry, and has... <laughs>
1: Huge giant ears. <laughs> Just giant. giant. We yeah. try not to talk about it, because she's very sensitive. <laughs> and but getting it wet is not a good idea.
2: <laughs> she gets wet, like, 12 times a day.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Again, we use gremlins as a parenting manual. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, like, I loved Gizmo, and, like, obviously, like, there's some stuff that I think didn't didn't hold up, or it failed in its attempt to, like, <laughs> make a joke <laughs> or make something scary. But in a B-movie way, like, I enter- I was totally entertain watching this movie.
1: Chris? (laughs) I hate this movie. I'm mad at Joe Dante. I'm mad at Steven Spielberg. I'm mad at Christopher Columbus. Are you mad at me? I'm mad at Kathleen Kennedy, Frank Marshall, Jerry Goldsmith, Howie Mandel, and Bob Nielsen who is the transportation coordinator. (laughs) I felt like I was watching Roger Rabbit... As a horror movie <laughs> in which there were, like, 1,200 Roger Rabbits. <laughs> and I did not enjoy any of it.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs>
1: try, I, like, I put the movie on, I, so I knew this movie... I, can't. <laughs> I knew this movie was, you know, like, something that people enjoy, and it's a B-movie, so... Did you even
0: think
2: that you would like these movies, though? I just want to get in your brain, like... <laughs> About to put these on. Were you willing to give them a chance? In- There's no yes. way. Okay. Yes, I was no giving way. them a chance because
1: my first few notes are serious. <laughs> Because it builds a world, it does that, it actually does that for a very long time, it's like 50 minutes until the gremlins actually start Oh, it takes a good long while to see any creatures in this movie That world is
2: in the same town square as Back to the Future
1: Yeah, and I was like, please give me that movie (laughs) Like, is Marty McFly in there? Like, hello? Come out! Say something, do something I think this movie sets up its world fine. It's very Norman Rockwell, very Frank Capra, like mm-hmm. idyllic small town. It feels very retro, which I think they were going for at the time. There is even literally like Miss Gulch from The Wizard of Oz. I, I
2: know was she like was that an intentional? It I'm the I'm the to wicked be. witch
1: because she even no, it says like be. I'll get you to the like she's trying to steal uh, his dog.
2: Yeah, it was strange. It,
1: it's very weird. So it sets all of that up fine, and I was like, okay, like I'm. On board enough, and as soon as the gremlins show up, I'm like, well, like I'm out.
2: Not Gizmo, but the gremlins. Were you okay with, like, Gizmo in the beginning? And He's all-
1: okay. I find him a little annoying. Like, Oh, really? Yeah, but it's okay. Like, he's... Because I didn't really see these movies as a kid, like, the puppetry is, like, super obvious. Like, mm-hmm. I think it probably is to everyone, but it's just, like, it doesn't win me over because it's just a little too fake for me at this point. Wow. But I'm like, okay, you know, like, I'll go with this. But then as soon as the Gremlins show up, it's just a lot of noise and, like, giggling. And, like, I feel like I'm watching, like, a five year old play with dolls it's like it's that level of humor it's basically just like i'm over here doing this i'm over here doing this and like a lot of like mania and it's just like it's all nonsense and to me like none of it (laughs) has anything to do with anything and i'm just like i really this joy has really to it you hated it i'm
3: channeling the werner herzog inside chris yes
2: So okay, I wanna let's just start at the very beginning.
1: Okay.
2: How racist is the old Chinese man? <laughs> Super racist or just a little racist? I was trying to like Okay,
1: find, so like, like this is medium this is, heavy
3: racist. <laughs> Yeah, this is, like, a medium rare. I was trying to, like, balance in my head the amount of awareness it has of this orientalizing a subject matter that's kind of inherently magical and supernatural, and that was very much a part of a lot of movies like this, not to excuse it. Very commonly, you know, you would get the magical talisman or the magical object or whatever from
1: an Asian person uh, from mm-hmm. an
3: Asian person um, and someone like running a shop and you know like that's I feel like that was already kind of a cliche by this point
2: I just find that the movie is positing that we should blame the Chinese for the ensuing mayhem <laughs>
3: No, no, no. No, it's very much, it's quite the opposite. It's actually white people's fault that all this shit happens. Because they
2: don't listen? Listen
3: We're,
1: to wise old Asian people. <laughs> Seriously, that's you gotta listen to them. Fortune cookies, come on.
2: <laughs> he, he
3: literally <laughs> says, like, with, with Mogwai comes great responsibility. Like, I feel like Spider-Man also ripped that mm, one off.
2: Okay. Um,
3: but no, it's, it's stupid white Americans' fault that any of this shit goes down. That's why the old Asian man collects the Mogwai again at the end.
1: I think there's a very clear test for whether a movie is racist against Asians or not. And it is... Does a gong sound... in non-diegetic sound <laughs> while a joke is made, the answer is yes for this movie. Yes, yeah. So, uh, only, once, pl- only once? Only once? Like, only once.
2: It gets a, a positive because an Asian person does play an Asian person.
3: That is true. They didn't get
2: a white person to play.
3: What a high bar.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I actually like the tone in the beginning. I felt like it's mysterious and taking itself seriously, which is so funny because by the third act, it's just complete like anarchy and like so cartoonish. And it kind of has this weird tone that shifts in the movie.
3: Yeah, I I actually do... I agree with you, Becky. I do think the tonal shifts are earned, at least comedically. Like, I don't necessarily think they're earned dramatically, but that's not the point of something like this. The point of something like this is a kind of live-action Looney Tune. That's what most of the creature features were to a large extent anyway. Like, this is playing off of and taking the piss out of what had been a genre of B-movie for, like, 20 or 30 years by this point. In the second movie, they even make that a lot more literal by having one of the characters be a host for, like, a Midnight movie type of tv show it's a complete mess of a movie it's an absolute fucking jumble and and chris i do agree to a large extent that when the the creatures are on screen it becomes just a total clusterfuck um but i think that kind of anarchy works for me at least and i don't know it was it again it was like really fun to rewatch this one
2: i like that the movie is Dark and it takes place during Christmas time. Like it's, they're talking about hating Christmas and suicide, and there's like gremlins killing people. I just kind of liked that vibe, like a gloomy Christmas tale.
3: And yeah, like especially rewatching it this time, like Phoebe Cates explicitly hates Christmas, and I don't think I ever even picked up on that as a kid.
2: Oh, you didn't? You don't remember her giant monologue about? <laughs> no,
3: no, I, I did not remember her monologue. That was it all is, I knew about should, this movie. We, we should talk
2: about this monologue. So. And it's, it's known for being, like, a what-the-fuck moment in this movie. <laughs> Phoebe Cates, it, throughout the whole movie, is like, I hate Christmas. She doesn't want to get into it. I just don't like it. Blah, blah, blah. And then later, near the end of the movie, she finally reveals why she doesn't like Christmas. And it's because her dad dressed up as Santa one year to surprise them with presents going down the chimney, and they lit him on fire, <laughs> and he, like, died.
1: Well, he <laughs> technically broke his neck first, oh, and okay. then they lit him on fire, yeah, and like, two days later. And that's she found out there's no Santa Claus <laughs> Roasted
0: Santa It was Christmas Eve I was nine years old Me and mom were, were decorating the tree Waiting for dad to come home from work A couple hours went by Dad wasn't home so Mom called the office No answer Christmas Day came and went, and still, nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by, neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside, the house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire, and that's when I noticed the smell. firemen came and broke through the chimney top and me and mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird and instead they pulled out my father he was dressed in a Santa Claus suit he'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents he was gonna surprise us He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus.
1: Which is, I think, based on an urban legend. Like, I don't think this movie totally invented that. About your dad? No. (laughs) My dad is alive and well, thank you very much. And would know better than to go into a chimney. Right, that's the the part that's unbelievable to me.
2: It's so crazy, though.
1: (laughs) That it, it like it adds
2: to the insanity of this movie exactly. because the movie is so crazy, like exactly. It makes it super watchable. <laughs>
1: It was very controversial, actually. Like, the studio wanted to cut it, and Steven Spielberg did not like that monologue either. And Joe Dante insisted that this was the heart of the movie, that basically explained the tone between is it supposed to be sad or is it supposed to be funny? Which I agree with. I think think leaving it in works is just, like, I feel like the movie around it doesn't actually live up to that monologue. That monologue gets at what I would have liked from this movie and what I think the movie sets up, which is a dark Christmas story that has, I don't know, something to do with something where i don't know the the gremlins mean something where they are a metaphor for something is this why
2: you you're i'm about to ask you don't think this is a christmas movie
1: no i actually wrote this is a christmas movie in my notes <laughs> oh good <laughs> at least we can agree on this yes. because it's so sad at christmas and it's like christmas is in the fabric of the movie from the very beginning
2: it's um, a, he's a christmas gift
1: Yes. But, that said, I feel like the movie then forgets it's a Christmas movie, and, like, there are scenes where, like, they're watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, so I'm like, why isn't this a Christmas movie that they're watching? Mm -hmm. Like, it it would be the same point, because it's supposed to be, like evil gremlins watching this, like, you know, happy family movie. but like, it's like, it should
2: have been, like, It's a Wonderful Life or something.
1: Yeah. I just feel like there's so many random choices, like, oh, it would be funny if they were watching a Disney movie that don't have anything to do, with they don't say anything about Christmas. Like, I think you could have this movie be something about how, you know, Christmas is this time when everyone's trying to sort of put on appearances and, and have things go nicely and then there's, like, these sort of evil creatures who get in the way and sort of point out the commercialization of Christmas. Christmas or something like that, but yeah,
3: I do feel like there's there's one straw in this movie that doesn't quite get like overtly grasped, but but, like it it, the story almost makes it seem like gremlins are kind of a critique of capitalism, Mm -hmm. um, of like overrunning everyone's lives and of making everyone miserable, especially anyone who has to work for a living. Um, There's a big like strain of kind of working class resentment running through this whole movie. Like, no matter what people's jobs and occupations are. But I, I don't think it ever quite even attempts to be something that deep. And I feel like this is a movie that very deliberately, every time it gets close to making a capital P, like, point of something like this, it kind of shies away from that and goes for a gag.
2: I like the moment of the gremlin in the Christmas tree attacking the woman, because it just looks like a Christmas tree is killing and humping a woman. And it, just, <laughs> it totally reminds me of something that would come out in the 70s or 80s that is like a comedy horror movie, like mm-hmm. a horror movie with like killings and blood and but but they're goofy as hell. Like movies like Jack Frost, the yes. original, not the children's one, where like a snowman is like killing people.
1: Okay, so the closest this movie I think gets to what I wanted it to be is maybe like in that sequence it's the main character's mom mm-hmm. and she, it's I guess a housewife. I mean, we don't really learn that much about these characters. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Belter. Yeah, so she kills like two or three green ones in the kitchen like so it's her using, like, oh, yeah. this very, like, female, mm-hmm. like, women should be in the kitchen kind of thing and, like, using that as a weapon against these monsters, which I feel like is kind of a commentary. And then that, that Christmas tree thing is a little bit of one, too. But I just feel like I see a version of this movie that's a little bit more, like, Edward Scissorhandsy. and I think Tim Burton was actually one of the early directors, like, approached to direct this movie. And I just, like, I think that that could have been sold and, like, if you really package this world as more of a Norman Rockwell thing and then had these monsters come into it and sort of had housewives, you know, like, fighting them with kitchen utensils and stuff like that. And We
3: get it. You like the Laurie Strode energy. I you
1: do, like... I I like that a lot more than I like this. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, I, 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 I did love that sequence, though, where, I like, think his mom kills a bunch yeah, of... The best names. that it gets, but I just... I feel like Joe Dante is such a second-rate Spielberg that he just doesn't quite... Shots fired. He just doesn't quite get the visual aspect right and and there's no real like like I, I just don't feel like this movie is very well shot in any way. Like it, it there's feels, no memorable shots. It feels really.
2: like an indie movie, like a bunch of plucky filmmakers getting together, but it was like a studio movie. And I felt like kind of the way with the second yeah. but I was like I totally see that. Like I'm just like this would make more sense if somebody just grabbed a camera and sh- I would be more impressed with the filmmaking. But as it was, it was like a studio movie with like what did I say? 11 million? That's a pretty decent budget back in the yeah. day. In the yeah. 1980, Let's see, yeah. 1984 or whatever. I said. And Seth yeah.
1: just bought up Halloween, which cost 300000 And that right. was only six years before this and so yeah I think some of that inventiveness of being a low budget movie would have helped this movie doesn't actually embrace being a low budget movie it tries to be an expensive movie with all these effects and puppets that I think also just don't hold up that well like they just look like puppets and I had a hard time like really caring about anything that was going on like it's pretty obvious when they cut away from things that it's like oh it's because the puppet couldn't do that and yeah well,
3: and again, I think it kind of goes back to not just a weakness in visual storytelling, but like a weakness in storytelling and story structure itself. You know, so like there is so much about the Mogwai that we're never allowed to understand. We get the three rules of no bright lights, no water, and no feeding after midnight. But I had like just kind of fundamental questions about the gremlins. <laughs> oh, yeah. That I would love to know the answers to, but I personally refuse to research for this episode. Okay. And this is no order of importance. Number one, do the gremlins have names?
2: Like, do they n- have names for themselves?
3: For themselves or that they give each other, because they're social. They're clearly social animals. They have a hierarchy of some kind.
2: Someone named Gizmo. Gizmo, I, uh, I take no, it. No, the dad? No.
3: His name was Mogwai, and his dad, like, calls him Gizmo, and he seems to respond to that. But okay. I'm asking, like, do they have names that they give each other? Because, like, does the sexy gremlin in Gremlins 2 the New Batch have a name? I think we have to talk about that we're separate we're gonna, make, <laughs> we're gonna make time to get there but again i never understood this okay the second question, do the gremlins have an actual purpose? Like, and again, this goes to, like, what, if any kind of commentary this movie is making, and I would say it's not really trying to make any kind of commentary. Are the gremlins here because we've committed some particular sin? Are they here to punish us for our malfeasance and and, and lack of caring for our fellow creature? Like, no, do I they have any kind of purpose? No. I,
2: I think they should, and they don't. I, yes, I agree. I agree. And then third,
3: uh, and perhaps most importantly, is the gremlin reproductive process Asexual. Do they reproduce only through water?
2: Yeah, uh, right? Yeah.
3: Okay, so uh, again, we'll have a lot to discuss in <laughs> Gremlins 2, The New Batch, but I will. No, I had a big
1: problem with the reproductive system in this movie. Oh, yeah. Which uh, is just. We should really pause okay. on this for a second. Okay,
2: so let's go through each step. So uh... if he gets <laughs> wet, then he produces
3: he gets gro- gro- lots of gross,
2: gross little balls that become magwai. Yes. So and then, and
3: I will also just pause to say this was the closest moment to horror in this movie for me. Like definitely, those uh, balls were gross. <laughs> they, those furry balls were gross, <laughs> like and I don't say that back. often.
2: Yeah, popping yeah. out of his back was yeah was gross. Um, so they become Mogwai. Mag- the Mogwai have like he only creates really mean mogwai or dumb mogwai or, like, like negative, like, characteristic. Negative mogwai. <laughs> negative mogwai. Yeah. Like, he never makes, like, a nice mogwai.
3: <laughs> yeah, what is wrong with... What the fuck is wrong with Gizmo? Yeah, like... What is his malfunction? Yeah. Or her... Wait... Do Put we... Him? Are they even uh, gendered? Gender? referred to as male.
2: Yeah, I think he he's Yeah, male. male. But that
3: was imposed yeah. on him. That was the gender binary that was imposed <laughs> on him. He doesn't argue with it. By Billy's father, who's a heteronormative freak.
2: I'm pretty sure he's male, but we'll get into that because of the second one, where there's basically Again. one female.
3: Right? So... Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> he, he pops out these other Mogwai. Then, if any of the Mogwai eat after midnight, they
3: become gremlins. They become
2: gremlins. And if, they'll, if they have light on them, then they die. So that's how they
3: die.
0: Right. Right. My
2: question is what is the difference between a Mogwai and a gremlin besides just scalier and bigger? They both seem furry. like yeah. they both seem like troublemakers Goolier. that are annoying. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, depending on personality. But like,
2: they both seem just as dangerous. It's just that the gremlins are larger. Like, what's the difference? Shouldn't all the Mogwai be really cute and then and then they become Honestly, evil? Honestly, Joe
3: Dante has to answer for this and so much more.
2: But uh, I don't know if you had that too. I was just like, why are they mean? And then they're just different mean. Like, well, a hundred
1: percent. But even more than that is like so. <laughs> Gizmo is, I guess, like, the original. It doesn't seem like he has to follow the rules, necessarily. Like, he he can't get wet. But, like, I don't really feel like he would turn into an evil gremlin. He'd
2: probably if, turn into a nice gremlin. Right. Because his personality is nice. But
1: why does he... Like, why are they all evil? And then, like, he tries to kill them all, but they're all his babies. So,
0: <laughs> like, right? what,
1: like, what is his motivation? Like, why is... He, Like, he reproduces things and then is like, oh, they're evil. I guess I better kill them. Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, the whole thing just.
2: Thought that they were like his children. It just it seems like it was thrust upon him. Like these things come out of me, but I'm not like I don't have like emotions. Oh, is that how you
3: feel about <laughs> your <John>? child <laughs> again? I, I'm very pro gremlin choice. Um, I think I think Gizmo was just exercising a very late term option.
0: God,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, I just wish that the other Mogwai were all cute. Maybe they have personalities, but they're all like generally nice, and then they turn evil it just doesn't... I was like, okay, they're just annoying and evil, and then they become bigger and annoying and evil. It was just a strange... Well,
3: but also, I, Becky, your question goes to a central point for me, which is like, how are the humans in this movie... If they, if the humans in this movie are this stupid, how did they survive this long? <laughs> You know, because it's like... They should all just be
1: dead when the movie begins. Literally, they
3: should have died a long time before the movie began, like, trying to open a soup can or something. Um, (laughs) Becky, like, relevant to the question of what the difference is between a mogwai and a gremlin, like... I, either way, I would know the moment that a mogwai lunged at my finger that I was going to be fucked somehow. Because, mm-hmm. like, anything that cute that's going to try to bite you is planning to kill you already.
2: Why don't they just euthanize Gizmo? That should have, like, exactly. I mean, I think he's adorable. That's but you what could I'm just, getting at. You could just taxidermy that. And- we should,
1: exactly. <laughs> you, you gas those little creatures and you stuff them. Well, so this reminded me a lot of Alien, because Alien also has sort of like a two-step birth process. Mm-hmm. But neither step is cute. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like it's like if you were supposed to like the facehugger, but then hate the alien, it's very confusing. It's like, no, they're both bad. <laughs> yeah. It, it makes it very clear. Least, Kill them all. At
0: least
2: the facehugger and the alien <laughs> are different enough. Like, the facehugger is just like the middle step. I don't know. Be- I think it's because the face doesn't have personality, but these are supposed to have personality, but they have the same personality as what it becomes later. I yeah. Don't
1: know. <laughs> it, no, it doesn't make any sense. Like I'm, The whole thing, just like the fact that they get wet and reproduce, like, I mean, OK, it's like a magical <laughs> thing, but it's just like that doesn't. That's weird. <laughs> like they drink alcohol, but they can't obviously drink water or else they would be reproducing everywhere. Like that just feels like an odd (laughs) reproductive system. I don't see, but but
3: here's where we differ. Chris, I think is because the moment where the gremlins start to develop their own social structure, and they start creating and taking in the nightlife and having <laughs> s- smoky nightclubs and wearing makeup is the moment that I decided this movie could have been nine hours long because I loved every second of that.
2: You loved it when they were like Jesus. playing poker and there's like one dressed as a fancy lady wearing an earring and yes! lipstick.
3: I just felt like I was watching <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody again. And then I and then I most especially loved the moment where there's a flash dance like sequence. where oh, yeah, break where,
2: dancing Gremlin.
3: Where Gremlin dances in leg warmers. (laughs)
1: See, I fucking hated that. I hated every second of that. I was like, what are they doing? What is their goal here? Their goal here (laughs) is to just personally
3: spite you.
2: Look, I... I appreciate their gumption. They're like, we're doing this. We're making these puppets, and we're going to do these crazy things, and it's going to be insane.
1: But there's no story. Like, the gremlins make no sense. What are they trying to do? Like, I don't even care if they're only, like... Agents of Chaos, and that's fine. But then why are they, like, playing cards? Like, I don't know. It's just, like... It, the movie is obviously just, like, wouldn't it be funny if Gremlins did this? Yeah. And yes. I'm like, yeah. it is not funny you got to it. me. Like, that, that's not a story. That's not a movie. Like, no. that's a series of sketches with ugly puppets that I did not enjoy. <laughs> I know. He, I
2: mean this was a bigger problem in the second, but, like, it's basically like, here's a reference! Isn't the reference funny? <laughs> yes. That's what they're banking on. I feel yeah. like
3: this is the, <laughs> the beginning of the, like, uh blank movie like epic movie scary movie yeah kind of style kinda, yeah. of comedic
1: storytelling and yet, yeah this movie just didn't <laughs> have a, like if it was doing that like do that but it had a few of those and then it was just like uh, like why are they dressing up as carolers like it's only because like that's a joke it's so like obviously like just like written nothing makes sense in any way like there's oh, no yes. story it's going a on here yeah. like even like the movie kind of starts with a story with billy you know, being like a hard worker at the bank and then like completely abandons it. Like nothing from the point the Gremlins come, like no character goes through any sort of transformation in any way. Anyway. It's just like all hee- like that's the entire ninety. Can the rest of the, the, the episode movie.
3: be you making that sound?
2: I would love to read Chris Columbus's first like spec script version <laughs> I would because not. I bet you none of those Here it things is. are.
0: <laughs>
2: I bet you none of those things are in it. I'm sure he didn't write a gremlin is dressed as a poker player and like oh, and Becky. is smoking a cigar. Oh, yes. Like, hold
3: on. hold on, let let us not speak positive words of Chris Columbus in this household.
2: Oh, you think that um, it didn't I, have that?
3: I think Christopher Columbus is one of the worst writers and directors in modern movie history. He directed the first two Harry Potter movies that I thought were absolutely terrible. I wouldn't be that's surprised if Spielberg statement. were a tempering influence on, on this.
1: That's you harsh. picked like two of his more notable movies. Too. Yeah, that's also true. I mean there's that's Home Alone, true. obviously. Yeah. Didn't you do Baby Stay Out and like,
2: that, I think you're talking that was John Hughes who wrote, he wrote it? it, but yeah. like
1: Christopher Columbus, I think, oh, directed he? it.
2: Yeah, he also directed. They have Ryan, a lot
1: of overlap and it's not a lot of good overlap. No. Okay, I just wanted to
3: point out two moments I enjoyed in this movie. One is when they launch Mrs. Deagle from her own house using her electric stair chair. Yeah.
2: They kill her, right? Let's there's, hope so. There's, like, killings in this movie, yeah. right? You know, there's, like, they kill oh, people. Well, they kill the a
1: couple in the house, but then they're in the sequel. <laughs>
2: That's right.
1: Oh, Continuity. It's for other franchises.
3: I also love that them Grims cut the brakes in the cop car and make the, the cop car, uh, you know, crash. That,
1: I that didn't realize a, they cut the brakes.
3: That that was a hijink. Um, also, Jonathan Banks is one of the cops in this movie. Oh,
0: yeah. 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 Oh, I have <laughs> from,
3: from Better Call Saul. That's All, right. That's Breaking right.
1: Bad. I want to talk about <laughs> why a gremlin has a gun in this movie. Both <laughs> movies, there's a gremlin yes, with a gun. Yes, There is. It's the only way to stop a bad gremlin with a gun. (laughs) Are there good gremlins? There are not. No, there's nothing. Well, it's just like, they're already scary. They're already, like, causing mayhem. They don't need a gun. Like, it's like giving a raptor a gun. It's like, this is unnecessary. (laughs) Like, the raptor is already scary. I had already, like, so checked out. And at that point, I was like,
2: movie. Would you, do you think that this movie is fun to watch? Like, to make fun of it, then? No. You don't even think it's fun to make fun of?
1: I had no fun with this movie at all. <laughs> I did not enjoy it Because I
2: think it. it really toes the line of being, like, a stupid movie that I can watch enjoyably and, and relish the ridiculousness. Oh, yeah. And being in an actually, like, some scenes and some pl- parts of it, I'm actually like, oh, they were going for, for something and they succeeded in this B-movie way.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think this point. movie is such a fail. It's such a mish, <laughs> mishmash of... Things like they have they introduce this inventor father who has all these crazy inventions. Does that have anything to do with what happens? No. And, and also, like he, all his inventions are malfunctioning,
3: but they malfunction in in a way that like always squirts gooey liquid that's yeah. like
1: ejaculatory. There was something strangely sexual running through this film. Well, and also like this movie is about gremlins causing things to malfunction. So why do they also have like an inventor who's Machines also ma- malfunction, and then, like, I thought, like, maybe he would, like, invent something that, like, kills the gremlins in the end or something. I don't know. No. Or contains Like, them it has or nothing something. to do with anything. Yeah. It's just, like, this extra random idea, which is... Like, I feel like Christmas is sort of a random idea, and then gremlins themselves, I guess the legend has it that they are... Uh, interfere in, in machinery, right?
3: Right, like, I feel like that's, like... The, the wisp of a premise that's still there, but even that's kind of taken out where it's like they're the ghost in the machine. They're the element of mischief.
1: But they don't... I mean, there's a little of that in the movie, but it's all, it's such a Norman Rockwell, like, 1950s town that there's not a lot of things for them to even mischief with. So it's like they have kind of like that kitchen scene and, I don't know, I guess there's a reversal of, like, she uses electronic thing things against them, but... I just, like, found this movie, like, really lacking, like, any sort of through line of, like, oh, it's, like, them messing with technology. Like, if that's what it's about, like, why do they just stop and go to a movie (laughs) at the end? (laughs) Like, that's that's their big plan, I guess, is that they just go watch Snow White.
2: I feel like... Tarantino took the end of Inglorious <laughs> Bastards from me. Oh, this absolutely! Movie.
1: <laughs> I wrote that down as a note.
3: That it was. I'm glad that we're picking up on that. That was one of my biggest notes for this.
2: <laughs> super inspired it was like by
3: blowing
1: it. up a movie theater.
2: Oh,
3: Inglorious Gremlins.
1: Gremlins.
2: <laughs>
3: In Gremlins Bastards, you'd watch that. <laughs> I would.
1: I would much rather watch that.
2: Before Chris gets too fed up talking about the first Gremlins, let's just go to the second <laughs> Gremlins movie. We got a whole
3: other batch to talk about, Chris. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Is everybody here? All right. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I wanna be a part of it. New York, New York. Yes, sir, these vagabond shoes. A longing to stray and step around the hall of New York, New York. These guys aren't bad. Incredible as it might seem, ladies and gentlemen. After their bizarre, blood-curdling rampage of destruction, these strange creatures now appear to be mounting what seems to be a musical number.
2: Gremlins 2 The New Batch was released June 15th, 1990, the same day as Dick Tracy, which also I find very funny because these both seem like like the same audience would go see these movies.
1: You mean nobody? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this was directed by Joe Dante again. It was written by Charles S. Haas because Chris Columbus was too busy making Home Alone. The movie stars Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, and Christopher Lee. <laughs>
3: Because <laughs> why not?
2: Howie Mandel voices Gizmo again, and Tony Randall voices the Brain Gremlin. <laughs> that's what he's listed as, the Brain Gremlin. The budget was fifty million, and the box office wow. was forty one million. <laughs> wow! It did not do fifty
1: well. million dollars. I feel like that's on them for spending that much on this movie. Though. Like forty one million is not really that bad, especially at this time. Uh, it's more than I kind of would have expected. It's less
2: than half what the original made. Right, with, with, right. Like, yeah. But
1: it also costs, like, five times as much. Yeah. So it's just like, That's maybe pretty- don't spend that much on this movie.
2: But even if they spent double the amount of the first, it still made significantly less. So nobody wanted a Gremlins movie anymore by 1990. So Ebert, this time, said the movie was basically a series of gags. He gave it a negative review. Leonard Maltin, however, who makes a cameo in this one, gave the movie a more positive review. So I wonder Why?
1: Ebert's review, though negative, was still like, <laughs> I think two and a half stars or something like that. Middling. What? Like I was like flabbergasted at how this was not like decried as a abomination to Celluloid. <laughs> original- no spoilers for my opinion of this movie.
2: <laughs> so the original Gremlins was a success. Warner Brothers wanted Joe Dante to make a sequel right away. Um he didn't want to. He thought the Gremlins had a proper ending he didn't want he just didn't think it would be profitable there, there's no story um so they you know they <laughs> he
3: predicted correctly
2: well they you know got other filmmakers but it just wasn't working out um uh some storylines before joe dante came back was that the gremlins go to las vegas or the planet mars
3: yes uh, why not both <laughs> why not both <laughs> a movie has three acts It's in the movie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, These ideas fell through, and the studio went back to Dante, and they said, we want you, and we will let you do whatever you want. (laughs) So he chose to do all this. These are not studio notes. He was like, okay, I'm going to make it
1: insane. Studio notes can be bad, but they're rarely (laughs) this bonkers. like... (laughs)
3: Yeah, no. This does to me feel like the uh, accomplishment of one singular
1: awful vision. I could not <laughs> stop thinking about Babe: Pig in the City, which I think is an amazing movie, <laughs> but is another sequel that is just takes it in a whole different direction and kind of a more city direction. And yeah, it's just like. Oh, that's what you chose to do? Like, that doesn't seem like a commercial idea, but good for you.
2: <laughs> I somehow don't think that you think that for this. Let's just get to it. What did you, th- what did you think, Chris?
1: I demand an apology. <laughs> from you.
2: <laughs>
3: oh!
1: You knew what this was, and you made <laughs> me watch it. <laughs> like... Oh, from us? That feels different.
2: How could you, after seeing it, not realize how great it is for this podcast that we talk about this movie?
1: All right. So I hated The Force Gremlins. I wrote my first note on this movie was Boy, oh boy, am I not looking forward to this if it's worse. <laughs>
2: Was that note after the first scene in the Gremlins world, or after the little uh, Bugs Bunny short (laughs) that precedes the movie? During.
1: I think it was (laughs) written during the Bugs Bunny short. Which also, like, I like Bugs Bunny fine. That was not fun. Like, even that annoyed me, and I was like, am I just a total Scrooge right now? Like... I am incapable of feeling joy. You were neither a Daffy nor a Scrooge McDuck on
3: that count. I wrote down immediately, like, why is this movie beginning with a Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck argument? That
2: is what is this
3: pre-credit sequence? This is not a Marvel movie. <laughs> what is happening? But
2: also, I thought at some point, like, a, an animated gremlin is going to walk on and, right. like, and do something to them. And I that thought didn't it was, happen either. I thought it was going to
3: be a more, like, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit type of intermixing of 2D. Yeah, like, no. No. Not at all.
2: Not at all. That's why I knew this was gold that I was like it starts off with an unrelated cartoon that's not even a short before it's like leading into the movie, and that's why I was like we have to we have to do this movie
1: so I mean it's very confusing because let me just say I started the first Gremlins at eleven o'clock last night, oh my
0: God, which means oh, I started funny.
1: this one around twelve thirty. <laughs> gremlins are not to be watched after midnight <laughs> i unfortunately had to do them back to back so there was no palate cleansing between them i immediately oh put this one on and i was just like well i really didn't like anything about that movie so how much worse could this be
3: which was a <laughs> challenge to the universe and the universe met that challenge <laughs>
1: and i'm having a hard time articulating why this <laughs> is so different, but I'm like it almost makes me want to defend the first movie, but it actually makes me hate the first movie more because the first movie made this happen and the whole thing <laughs> just uh, it feels like an experience that I had to survive I am a gremlin's survivor. <laughs> I would like to be Is there a little to. button or a
3: bracelet for that? Like a wristband? Hope that
1: there is because Grimstrung? that is how I want to be referred to from <laughs> now on. I I felt like I had to like live through this experience and <laughs> Halfway through. When the at exactly the moment
3: you made it halfway through, Chris.
1: At exactly the moment that a gremlin started talking, it would be the brainy gremlin. (laughs) I turned the sound down much lower (laughs) and stopped looking at the screen. (laughs) The movie was still playing, I could still hear it, but it was much quieter. And I would only look at the screen if I felt something really demanded my attention because I I had to stop. I I really could not could not do it.
3: I don't know if we have yet covered a movie that made you take active countermeasures to the experience of watching it. That's that's an accomplishment. Here's the
2: thing, I don't disagree with you. movie because it is insane. I don't think it's good. No. It's not good, <laughs> but it reaches the level of like movies that are just so insane that like I can't look away. So we I think we just I I holy this is not a good movie, but yeah. it but it's amazing because it's insane in every way.
1: Right. So I tried. The movie begins. It does do that. (laughs) That's the one thing that it does, like a new movie. It does not seem to end, but it does begin. Yes. It begins... And I was like, okay, it's in New York City this time. That makes more sense for the premise of Gremlins. Like, it's in this high-tech building. So, Gremlins, who are supposed to fuck-up technology in a high-tech building, that makes sense. So I was like, maybe I'm on board with this. <laughs> no, I <it> wasn't. <laughs> because... No? <laughs> I don't know. It has a lot of, like, social satire in it, which maybe the first movie kind of does, but in a weird, like, Frank Capra way. And this movie goes to a whole different, like, almost, like, a sci-fi level of being futuristic and, like, kind of satirizing billionaires and capitalism. And I'm, I'm just confused, like... Why?
2: <laughs> Wait, so Seth, what did you think? <laughs>
3: It was so interesting re-watching it this time, because Gremlins 2 specifically is known as a cult classic. It's kind of known as part of its cult identity as being a quote-unquote political movie and a politically satirical movie of corporate conglomerates and corporate culture. And, of course, I definitely, like, picked up on some of those elements throughout, but that's not at all the main thrust of this movie. That's it's. This is not some, like, anti-corporate story, ultimately. In, in almost every case, I See, like, the worst movies as being the ones where the studio has the most power and is able to call the most shots. And in this case, I think this is a terrible movie because the creator of this movie was given completely free reign and no one was in a position to tell him no. It's insane watching this movie and like trying to see where that
2: $50 million budget was. There's like 10,000 puppets. Sure, but I, how much
3: did Babe Pig in the City cost? What was the operating budget of that? Like, there's no way I'll it was get this back much. To you. <laughs> right, exactly. Our research department will get back to us on the budget for Babe Pig in the City, but I did actually feel like that was kind of an interesting comparison point because that is, again, just another movie that totally lives and dies on practical effects, but does it so brilliantly and also is such a different take on its premise than the first version of that movie, but does it
1: so well and is so effective from a storytelling standpoint. Standpoint. and it's like a social satire which i think the first movie is not <laughs> and it, it's commenting on like life in the city which is what this one is doing but i mean like on paper i was like some of these lines are kind of clever like the robotic elevator voice is like okay. amusing, but it just feels like it doesn't go with anything that's going exactly on in
3: movie. exactly it's like my I, I kept like writing the note that was like too many notes and not very good ones at that like it was like it was just trying to do so many things that had no coherence at all, and also weren't all that well done. Yeah, and, it and felt I liked like Brazil.
1: When it, started, it did.
3: It did like, kind of feel like Brazil, <laughs> and it, like I liked the like public address system voice that was like in the elevator. And there are some funny lines in the movie Yeah. because um, like the the corporate conglomerate that's at the heart of this is called
2: Clamp. Oh, it was an obvious. It's like they wanted to do Trump but like mixing exactly. with a little Patrick Bateman
3: <laughs> exactly no and it and it was like very obviously a takeoff on like Trump
2: yeah like he has books in the lobby and right have, like, and the book books look and...
3: exactly like Art of the deal but
2: like it's like if if Trump was actually charming and and nice that's what this person would be like they didn't he didn't actually play him like Trump
1: yeah I have I have a hard time like imagining a pre-trump Trump. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't. Let's not talk about Trump. (laughs) This movie is Die Hard.
3: (laughs) My alternate title for it is Die Hard with the Gremlins. (laughs)
2: You're right. It's
3: Die Hard. (laughs) yeah it's Die oh, hard
2: yeah. with gremlins <laughs> yeah
3: the yeah. <Live>
1: freer gremlins
3: <laughs> i'm just gonna list off the other random notes i made on this movie because every other thing i could say defies logical description Getty watanabe plays a stereotype oh i do feel like this movie absolutely tilted directly straight yeah. into racism land
2: that's the that's the um asian tourist that's Take, oh. Yeah, that's the oh, yeah. pictures of everything. The
3: stereotype.
2: Yeah.
1: Do Much- you know who that is? Long Dong. Dong. <gasps> yeah. Getty Watanabe.
2: Oh, yep. oh my God. Why does he keep getting cast? In these things, he's the only one who will say yes.
1: I, I honestly looked at his Wikipedia or IMDb, and it's just like list after it's list really, of,
3: yeah, oh my like, god, those were the only opportunities that
1: Asian actors would get.
2: Yeah, that was depressing. Um, that and it's that
1: because he was so in a really lot. It's really hard of those. to know if this or the first gremlins is more racist. No,
2: this one, I think. Oh, it definitely is. Because at least this you, The guy in the first gremlins who's, who's dead in this one, at least he's like wise, he owns his own shop. I don't know. He's but an this, entrepreneur. This guy is just like the Asian tourist with a million cameras and he's like, He literally is and... putting
3: his life in danger at every turn because he can't stop fucking filming everything. Yeah,
2: it's this it's this one.
3: Yeah. No. <laughs> so he's
1: basically a millennial. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Um the delivery guy is Tuco from Breaking Bad. He is Yep.
1: I thought he looked familiar. Yeah.
2: I wanna talk about the lead actor in both these movies. Oh, my God. Is it just me, or is he just a god-awful actor? (laughs) He acts like he ate
1: paste before every take. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to differ in that I thought he was good in the first movie. Really? Yeah, like, I thought he was very, like, kind of engaging and likable in the first movie. Oh, my God. Not in this movie.
2: I just thought he was
3: terrible. I couldn't decide if... I thought he had already been hit in the head with a blunt object, or if I wanted him to be hit in the head with a blunt object, I rested on both. (laughs) He was just so bad. Terrible.
1: Well, this movie gives them nothing to do, but like this has the sequel thing where it like puts the original characters in but in a completely different role where it's like they basically are different people mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. like
1: they have suddenly moved to New York City and are like a couple in New York City where it's like yeah, that like, doesn't the, seem likely Phoebe for Phoebe Cates is people. like the tour guide for Clamp <laughs> for the giant like building on her fucking she has head. like a yeah. super inverted Super Bowl trophy on her head
3: <laughs> which I
1: loved like she has I nothing loved. to do in this movie oh, yeah. like she doesn't have a lot to do in the first movie either she has that one monologue and then she has like a parody of that monologue in this movie about lincoln's
2: birthday which was
1: (laughs) again like kind of funny on paper and yet does not i feel like play in the actual moment to moment of this movie i thought so many jokes in this movie were like funny in theory but did not actually play funny no that's
3: so true like chris I, i think that's a really great way to describe it is like so much of this works on paper you know, and it like, and it it's weird because it works on paper in a way that you know if they would have just like rehearsed things together or something, they could have worked it out into a funny version of that premise. But it really was it like so much of it just plays like something that was never even workshopped, much less like rehearsed.
2: I feel like just in both movies, I love the bonkers element when the gremlins are doing shit and like the. I don't think it's like super well filmed, but at least it's a little bit inventive how they're shooting the gremlins or what they have the gremlins do but whenever the gremlins are not on screen and it's just humans interacting with each other I think it's just a terrible movie
1: wow I feel completely the opposite I hate the gremlins I'm so bored when the gremlins are on screen because it's just like these random puppets give Becky the grems only
3: version and give Chris
1: the (laughs) The gremlins cut. That'll be like volume one and volume two of
2: this. <laughs> yeah, just because I, I don't think that it's well-written. So the humans are boring, and they're just saying boring things that make no sense, and they don't talk like real people. At least the gremlins aren't... Well, how would a gremlin really sound? Like That's not like a thing. There. Apparently
1: it would sound like Tony Randall doing an Australian accent. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, I need to acknowledge that the bat
3: gremlin <laughs> busts through the wall and leaves a perfectly cut Batman
1: symbol. What are the three rules of gremlins? <laughs> they can't go out I in know, the
2: light. I don't understand that part either. Like, for some reason, because he's a bat, he's okay. Oh, because he's a bat? They, no, wait, no, they're nocturnal. Wait, I don't understand any of this. <laughs>
1: Becky,
3: you have now thought more about this franchise than Joe Dante ever has.
2: No, I don't understand that either. Why? Right? no,
1: no. No. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying no. But
2: wasn't it funny when there's a Batman signal? No. Because it was a reference that you got. So isn't that funny?
1: No. <laughs> I, would, I wanted to turn it off and watch Batman.
3: There was another meta moment I wanted to point out where they eventually melt down the film itself an oh. hour and eight minutes in and cut <laughs> randomly into the gremlins taking over the projection booth of the movie theater that you're
2: in while you're watching the movie! This is why I remember I saw it in the theater, because I was like, whoa!
3: And then Hulk Hogan is in the audience and verbally confronts the gremlins, which works!
0: (laughs) (laughs) We have gremlins in the projection booth. Could you help us? Gremlins! In this theater now okay you guys listen up people pay good money to see this movie when they go out to a theater they want cold sodas hot popcorn and no monsters in the projection booth do i have to come up there myself do you think the grimsters can stand up to the holster well if i were you i'd run the rest of gremlins too right now sorry folks it won't happen again
2: face right now is just full of hate. Hulk Hogan, Chris. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Totally holds up. Chris,
1: the Hulkster. I mean, I was relieved when the film burned through, because I was like, maybe the next 40 minutes will just But be... it didn't burn clean. It didn't burn clean. There's a lot of... Yeah, there's that, and then there's the Leonard Maltin thing, which are both...
2: Yeah, he's reviewing gremlins on his
1: show. Actually, <laughs> just like you're not even trying to like make this an engaging story that I'm actually into. No, it's and just, then there yeah. just
3: become these random points where they just inject more gremlins because they can, because <laughs> they just had the money to build more gremlin dolls.
1: Yeah, there, there is she... a salad gremlin.
2: Oh, there, he a... it grosses me out. I was always <laughs> grossed out by the vegetable gremlin. The salad
3: gremlin. We need I to talk
2: de- about the salad gremlin. What? What is it? Why am I so disgusted by that gremlin? I don't know what it is. is it cause it's because it's because you could food? eat it. It's
3: gross. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because the implication is that the gremlin is edible. Becky. Yeah.
2: Here. So one of the things in this movie is that okay, I'm sorry to back it up even more, <laughs> but like, what is this building? <laughs> this building has Clamp. this. This building has.
1: A TV station. A
2: TV station. A scientific lab. A scientific lab. Like, the gremlins break in the lab, and that's why they can turn into different things. So smart and clever. Like, what is this building? Is it just different businesses? Or does Clamp, like, do all these things? They do
3: all those things. They're a corporate conglomerate. They're like a mega conglomerate, like GE. Because, like, GE owns Time Warner and NBC and So GE
2: would have a, a scientific lab in the building? They
3: do. They absolutely do.
2: MTV TV station. I guess yes, it was just like what is happening. But they don't have a
1: vegetable serum that turns things into. Salad. Not yet. GE is working on that. <laughs> They're all, yeah.
2: So yeah, the the vegetable-
3: the salad the salad gremlin. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a Phantom of the Opera gremlin. <laughs> I knew you
1: would bring that relevant up. Relevant
3: <laughs> to previous episodes of
1: the <laughs> podcast.
3: There is a princess gremlin end of list
1: <laughs> wait is that the bride gremlin is that the-
3: no not the bride gremlin no 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 that's a whole other category we have to talk about yeah. sexy
1: lady gremlin yeah
2: i'm also disgusted by her yes lurleen
1: lurleen is, is, that's, is what that's what i call her we're gonna call her that? no no her name is greta i believe
2: greta gremlin
1: what yes. what do you base this belief on <laughs> i think it was wikipedia um, i
2: think you made it up are we two is being a gremlin you are automatically male because this gremlin had to drink a serum that made them female so it seems like the default is male
1: yes the default is male and then if you're a woman that's, you're a horny bride <laughs> that's pretty patriarchal becky that's
3: the movie oh i, I didn't make I this up know. i don't know that seems like an assumption well, you're making... i think
1: all the other gremlins definitely read as male in both movies like they're and they male. Present as male yes
2: yeah and so be- being a female means that you wear makeup and have cheetah print clothes
3: this boobs
2: is the, this
1: don't boobs. forget the boobs. boobs this is
2: the kind of female that <laughs> being a female is that you are uh you are sex crazed and you're kind of trampy and that all but
1: you also need to get married immediately
2: yeah you're that all checks to. out
3: Um, I think in light of the Me Too movement, uh, the sexy lady gremlin needs to be recognized as part of the problem. Uh, She does not seek or acknowledge affirmative consent from her partners. No,
2: but he's into it by the end.
3: And again, that is part of the problem. That's part of the cycle of abuse.
2: (laughs) He raises his eyebrows and he's like, eh. Sure, She's why not?
3: A rapist gremlin. <laughs> she is a forced marriage gremlin.
2: None of the other gremlins are even like thinking about sex. So it's just the women, the fe- the one female gremlin that is like, oh, sex, sex, sex. Like, what were they thinking in making this movie?
3: What were this, they thinking? This whole franchise is just one of the most what were they thinking things that I've seen in a long, long time. With almost anything else, you can like dismiss it as a product of its time or understand it as a product of its time, but but this is not the product of this time period. Yeah. Or if
1: it is, it says this time was trash.
2: Oh, and I'm I'm sorry, the uh the male gremlins, meaning all the other gremlins, did put on like a softcore porn. <laughs> When they when they stopped Gremlins 2 from playing, they put on, like, uh, topless volleyball. Right, yeah. So they, they do think about sex a little bit. But not with other Gremlins, just humans.
1: <laughs> that might have been one of the parts that was on in the background when I stopped watching this movie. Because I just, I could not take any more. I had been assaulted by Gremlins for two continuous hours. And it was time to let them... <laughs> rest
2: i like the scene where they make fun of the rules about like eating after midnight and like what if they're on a plane i enjoyed that meninus
1: didn't enjoy anything
2: (laughs) (laughs) are these the worst movies we've seen now yes on this for this podcast i was
1: thinking that while i was watching this like roger rabbit i didn't really enjoy but like this is on a whole (laughs) different level where i just like hated these (laughs) movies the first one i really don't like (laughs) this one much worse (laughs) But together, they're a batch of things that I never want to speak of again.
2: So there's going to be a third Gremlins. <laughs> <sighs> they finish the script, at least. We'll see if it gets made. It actually is going to be a reboot. So it'll just be. Oh, oh it needs to
3: be. We have to reset the clock
2: on this. Yeah.
1: I really have to wonder what this is, because I, I read about that as well. And I'm just like, you can't really do puppets anymore like they're gonna be probably cgi no
2: that's stupid Uh, the whole thing is that it's puppets like yeah yeah it's like a muppets it's like evil muppets like it has to be a puppet
1: yeah i can't imagine how this will play like i I don't think anything about these movies like translates to now
2: No, and that's why they're like, I can see why someone is nostalgic for these movies, because of that. Because of the technology, or limited technology, and the puppetry. People are nostalgic for, like, The Muppets and things like that. It's because it's just from a different era, and you know what I mean? I see why people like these movies in a fun, nostalgic way. I would think somebody is seriously deranged if they think the second one is good. The first one, I feel like you could appreciate just what they're trying to do, even if they're not totally successful. The second one is insanity. Right. Yeah. And again,
3: I love insanity. I love the work of creative people who get unleashed and don't have studios or executives or financiers holding them back from telling the maximalist version of their own story. But this is not really a coherent story. And so it's like when this person got free reign to make exactly what they wanted, it's this person. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a completely fucking incoherent mess. And it is crazy to me that the second of these movies is the one that has the better reputation is as a cult classic kind of
1: thing
2: really i think think both have that reputation
3: maybe
1: i don't follow the cults closely enough (laughs) i think the first one is considered a legitimately like okay a b movie for sure but like kind of a classic you know its own way and the second one is just considered like bonkers like funny in a bad way yeah um save your bonkers don't watch the second one.
2: Oh, I watch it. Drink, like smoke some pot. Drink, drink like, some pot. Have smoke a good, smoke some alcohol. It's not to Chris, but I think it's totally watchable, like in a w- enjoying a bad movie way.
1: Kill yourself. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I feel like it
3: was pretty unwatchable. I, I would say watch the first Gremlins and and be done with ye.
1: And I would say do not under any circumstances watch either of these movies. Well, get your get your Grims out.
2: I think I know what I'm getting Chris for Christmas. <laughs> double set, <laughs> double DVD <Resorblades>? set. <laughs>
3: Stocking stuffed. And that's all the Grims we have time for on this episode of When We Were Young. On our next episode, come on over as we hit you, baby, one more time and rub you the right way when we cover the pop princesses of 1999.
1: Who we've missed like candy, by the way. We've missed Christina
3: Aguilera, Britney Spears, Mandy Moore, and Jessica Simpson. And we'll revisit them all on the next episode of When We Were Young. When We Were Young is a podcast produced by the MFP Studio Studios in Los Angeles, California. You can follow us on all of the social media websites and give us money on Patreon. (laughs) My name is Seth Pearson.
2: I'm Becky, the only female, much like the only female gremlin. And I'm... (laughs) (laughs) What was that supposed to be?
1: That was all I heard during Gremlins. (laughs) It was just like continuous sound effects.
2: (laughs) Magwai!